tired. I'd like to welcome everyone. I want to read the passage soon, but this, today's actually passage covers from chapter 13, 15 to 14, too long. So I'm going to just share a few verses, and I'm going to share uh, some of the verses uh, while I'm talking. Uh, have you ever heard, uh, actually I heard some, somebody say, uh, EM, difference between EM and KM. You know what EM means and KM means, right? EM means easy ministry. That's what I heard. <laughs> and KM is a killing ministry. Reason that person actually mentioned that is, you know, like EM usually they have when they serve once a, once a week. So EM ministered, you know, when he speaks once a week. For KM, is killing ministry because they have to speak at least like six, seven, like eight times a week. I remember when I first started in you know, ministry, I had to speak eight times a week. Monday through Saturday, early morning prayer, I had to preach, and Friday night, you know, I got to preach, and, and Sunday, you know, first and second service, eight, imagine eight times a week. I mean, I was, I, I prepared a message and speak, and prepared a message to speak, you know, I was, I didn't have any life, I mean, I was like, my goodness. And later years, you know, like we have associate pastors and actually Elder Chang helped me out on Monday because, you know, he, he had a pity on me. So, hey, you know, let me take care of you Monday. <laughs> you can take off at least one day off. So that's how, you know, the ministry started. And I've been preaching more than 30 years. Can you believe that? Wow. You know, like, I mean, but still, I, when I, whenever I stand before the Lord and try to, you know, share the message, Still is challenging, still burdensome. I'm so having a hard time. You know, I'm kept asking my wife, should I do this? I mean, should, should, I, should we continue to do this? You know, that's the biggest challenge. I remember beginning of my preaching ministry, I asked my wife, can you listen and give me feedback? And I feel so appreciative to my wife because, you know, I, even though you are a great preacher, hearing the same message for three times, that's like killing you. And she was like, keep listening to my message and try to give me feedback. And she actually, more than a few times, actually many times, she tried to correct my message. Honey, I don't think this is the statement they just made. I don't think it's theologically sound. Whenever she, whenever she mentioned those kind of, you know, statements, I got upset. I got like, oh, what do you really know, honey? You didn't go to seminary, right? You know, I tried to, you know, like, we know over by argument, but anyway, I mean, that, that was past, okay, many years ago, okay? Uh, preaching is always challenging. And today's text, actually, we hear uh, Paul's very first sermon. Uh, Acts chapter 17 and 18, we'll hear another Paul's sermon. And when you look at the Acts 2, uh, Peter, with the fill of the Holy Spirit, he began to speak, and people came to know the Lord. I mean, he was powerful preacher. I always envy those preachers who can really, you know, speak with authority and, and God's wisdom. And Peter actually was used by Holy Spirit. And when you look at the chapter seven, uh, Stephen, you know, he, I mean, he really made a long message, right? And someone said that because people had a, enough of his message, since it was too long, they stoned him to death. Uh, and Peter, I mean, the Stephen died uh, while he was preaching the word of God. And today's text, we see, we hear Paul's very first message. And I don't want to cover the whole thing because it was a very long message. But I want to begin with this passage, verse 13 and 14. 
from Papos, Papos, uh, Paul and his companion sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. You know, this passage actually moved my heart. Well, I was, as I was meditating this passage, from the church of Antioch, Paul and Panaba was sent off as a missionary. And they first went to uh, Cyprus. Cyprus was hometown of Barnabas. Going to Antioch, the Cyprus, it, it, it took like, you know, like days. It was an easy journey. And they actually covered the whole region of Cyprus. They walked and they began to preach, share the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a fruit, there was not fruit. There was, you know, like God performed the miracle. There was nothing happening. And they, from there to uh, Burgos, they went, taking a ship. And from Burgos to uh, the Pisidian Antioch, it it was like 260 miles. Imagine, they have to go over the mountains. They have to walk and walk and walk. And finally, they, they end up in this city, uh, Pisidian Antioch. Whenever they enter the city, this is a poor strategy of mission. They always enter the synagogue. On the Sabbath, the synagogue, they sat down. Uh, when I read that part, they sat down, I was like, oh my goodness. Paul and Barnabas, they gave their life for the Lord. I mean, they, it was an easy journey, yet they took the challenge and they just pursued this journey. They went and went and went and finally ended up in this city and they entered the synagogue and sat down to worship God. And today's text begins in the background. Uh, after the reading from the law and the prophets, the, the, the synagogue ruler sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. This is the typical order of uh, worshiping in synagogue, in, in, in the temple. Uh, they begin with Shema. You probably heard that, right? Hear the Israelite. Hear the Israel. Passage from Deuteronomy and Numbers. They first speak that passage. Then one of the guys lead the corporate prayer. Then one of the, one of the leaders also uh, read the portion from the uh, five book of Moses, Pentateuch, or the prophets. Then explain the text. Afterward, they say, hey, anyone here? Any Levi here today? And Paul was sitting in the bed probably. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Anybody can come up and maybe share encouragement. Paul waved his hand. Verse 16. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And he began to share the passage, which covers from 17 to 41. Long message. As we encounter Paul's message today, he spoke at the Pedition Antioch about 2,000 years ago. The same message he spoke to B 
people, Jewish people and the Gentile worship God, Gentile worship God. Same message may be, this is my prayer, they may be proclaimed to us today and, and encourage us today. You know, God wants to encourage us. And I don't want this time to be just, oh, you know, Sunday. It's time to worship, so just come and it's not, that, 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 that's not my heart. That's not my desire. I want you to come and hear the word from Paul, uh, from me, uh, actually from God. God is using his people, servants, to speak to us. So I'm going to talk about his sermon today. Introduction, main body, and the conclusion. First introduction, introduction of sermon. God prepared by his sovereignty. From verses 17 through 25, the main message is this. God has prepared salvation plan throughout the whole Old Testament. And God executed that. He he did it. It was God who initiated the, the salvation plan for you and I. And he's the one who did it. It wasn't our, you know, merit. We didn't do it. He did it. God did it. And verse 17, uh, Paul says, The God of people of Israel chose our father. God of Israel, he, God chose our father. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With the mighty power, he led them out of the country. See, God is the one who chose. He is the one who made. He is the one who led them out of Egypt. It was the God. Subject is God, right? God is the one who fulfilled his salvation plan for all of us. When you look at the verse 17 to 18, 19, you know, let me just, just read for you. He made the people prosper. He endured. I love the fact that he endured. He is a patient God. If he wasn't patient with me, I would not be here. Maybe some of you may not be here too. God is a very patient God. And he overthrew seven nations and gave the, their land to his people as their inheritance. He is the one who overthrew other nations, in Gentile nations. He is the one who gave the land to them. Verse 20, he gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. 21, he gave them Saul. They asked for king. We want to have king. And, okay, you want to have king? Okay, I'll give it to you. And God gave them a king, Saul. And he made David their king. And he brought the Israelite, the Savior Jesus, as he promised. You know, he built up his argument, his, his, his message to the point, you know what? God gave you guys a great gift, King David. To the hearts of Israelite, King David was the most admirable king. Oh yeah, of course, he was the king. He is the messianic figure. Through his line, Messiah will come. And we expect to have Messiah, like same level of like King David. That was the expectation. But Paul's argument is, no, no, no. He was great gifted, yet, I want you to know this. Jesus was the best gift ever given to us. That was the message. Isn't it? Isn't it the best gift? Without Jesus, how could we know that how much we matter to him? Without Jesus, how can we have eternal life? Without Jesus, how can we boldly come to, know, to the Lord and ask anything? Yes, indeed. Jesus Christ is the best gift for, for us. Yeah? Don't you think? Listen, 
my wife and I, uh, we talk about, you know, just just share about coronavirus, and uh, we had a concern. Wow, you know, like those people infected by the coronavirus, so numbers are like increasing almost every day. And I was telling, and I asked her, maybe, honey, what if I got coronavirus? What would you do? You know what she said? Husband, honey, you live your life. You live until this, this day. You're old enough to go to heaven with gladness. I was like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> I tried to king, I mean, tried to send me to the heaven. I mean, I mean, I would mind to go to heaven, but honey, you know, I was like, that thought actually made me to ponder about life, about death. You know what? I was so grateful for the fact that I have Jesus in me. I mean, that was my heart. I have no regret. I had a great life. Not because I had a, like, you know, great things or great whatever. No, no, no. Because I have Jesus Christ in me. I know that because of the, you know what? I have no regret. I, don't, I mean, you're right. I live, I'm 55. I live long life compared to other young people who are dying. You know, like, like, Jesus Christ is indeed the best gift that was given to, to us. You know this passage? I love this passage. You did not choose me, choose me, but I chose you and appoint you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You did not choose. We didn't choose Jesus. Did we? No. He chose us. And he wants us to bear the fruit. And there will there will fruit that will last. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it was God. If we are here today, it is God because God's grace brought you here today. Aren't you grateful? I am. I'm grateful. God has prepared great salvation plan by his sovereignty. That's the first point. And the main point of the message is this. Jesus' death and resurrection. The core passage, the message about the poor sermon was the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whenever he speak, you know, he talked about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. 27, the people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. They did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the word of the prophet that are read every Sabbath. They've been reading the Sabbath, you know, prophets every Sabbath. But they couldn't recognize him. Christ came and dwelt among them and they couldn't recognize him. Not only did they condemn him, they, they crucified him. Was that a prophet sentence? Verse 20 says, though they found no prophet ground for the death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. Even Pilate said, what crime did he commit to, to die on the cross? Wow, I don't think, I don't think he, he was that bad. And everyone knew that. Yet, he was crucified. Why? Because it was prophesied throughout the whole Old Testament. He just walked to the cross according to God's great 
plan. Life has a full of unfairness. What do you think? We miss so many absurd or unreasonable or something ridiculous happening in our lives. Dying on the cross was the horrible and the worst death sentence in those Roman Empire. Yet Jesus died on the cross. Why? What crime did he commit to die? And Jesus didn't just end his life with crucifixion, but he rose back from the death. He died for us, but he rose from the death. In human's perspective, Jesus' death seems the end of the story. But by resurrection, Jesus turned the table around. Our lives are similar like that. We face dead end time to time, don't we? If you are married, you probably experience that or soon you will experience my marriage life is dead end. I mean, some of you probably would experience that. But don't call it dead end until Jesus calls it dead end. Physically or emotionally or relationship or financially, you may feel like, oh my goodness, I don't see any future. I think this is it. Don't call it that end until God calls it that end. You know why? Because you, you know, we Christians, we're the ones who have a profession. Like Paul said in Colossians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. That means I die with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith. I don't, I don't decide the things by my own opinion. I don't. Because that's not Christian. Christian means I follow what my commander commands. In 1972, there was one crazy guy who... Uh, slip into the St. Peter's uh, Cathedral in Rome. And he smashed, he damaged the Michelangelo's masterpiece, uh, the Pieta. Have you ever seen the Pieta? I went to see the, oh my goodness, wow, this, uh, you know, this is the treasure. This guy, hammer, 15 times. I don't know what this, I mean, how could, people couldn't stop him. I'm sure there were so many people. This guy had a mental illness, and he tried to meet the Pope, but Pope didn't have, I mean, you can't just meet Pope, right? <laughs> Even if you want it, right? And here, here, little problem, and he damaged, hammered the, the piano. You know what happened afterward? They sent him to the mental hospital, but they found the expert who can restore the treasure. You know what? You are treasure in God's sight. You are God's treasure. Whatever happened in your life, he can restore. That's the power of resurrection. God is still working in our lives. Hey, I can fix that. I can restore that. If we have faith in him. 
that's the, that's the important part. We have to have faith in him. Then he can restore brokenness. The Pieta was broken into 100 pieces. Wow, how can we restore that? Expert restore that. And if God restores it, he can do way better, right? Paul, through uh, verses 33 to 36, is saying all the promises are fulfilled and became reality. You know, this is important. When you look at the Bible, there are so many promises. Right? Do you know how many promises in the Bible? A lot. I mean a lot. Someone say more than 30,000. I mean, if you try to count them, there's a lot. A lot of promises. William Carey said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Your future is as bright as the promises of God. We got to hold on to the promises. Do you have promise? You got to have it. You got to have it. Maybe this is a time for you to hold on to promise. When you have promise, no matter what happened, you can sustain. You can be sustained. Verse, uh, yeah, I, I skipped, I mean, I skipped the part, but, but God raised him from the dead. I like that conjunction, but, but God, whatever that happened, but God raised him from the dead. Uh, verse 32, 30, for, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not seem. I love this passage. I used to preach, you know, just on this verse itself. For God, for when David has served his purpose in his own generation. I want you and I to serve our generation of God's purpose. Isn't that awesome? You know, we have we've got to serve this generation according to our gift and calling. That's the fulfillment of you know, our purpose, right? But that was the, that's the David's limitation. He fell asleep. And he was buried with his father. That's our limitation. We are going to die. But the one whom God raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, did not see decay. Jesus, he doesn't have limitation. He's the only one who overcame limitation. And he is with you. He is in you. And he is for you. Hold on to the truth. Last part, Paul's conclusion. He says, hey, it's up to you now. You heard? It's up to you. It is your choice. From verses 38 to 41, Paul says in 38, Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know the that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. As I was meditating this passage, I, I, I could, like, I feel like I, I could hear his, like, heart pounding. And it was like, guys, listen to me, listen to me. I want you to know. He spoke with, like, passion and that, that, 
the eagerness that I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. You can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And verse 39, through him, everyone who believes in is justified from everything you could not be justified from the law of Moses. Moses, we tried to keep the law, but we couldn't save ourselves. Guys, you know that, right? He was telling them, only through Jesus Christ, believing Jesus Christ, you can be justified. We tried to justify ourselves by working our own merit, but we couldn't. There's no way, but only through believing Jesus Christ. You can be saved. What are you, Angelion? You all the gospel. What a good news is this? He was telling them, I want you to know this. You can miss everything, but I don't want you to miss this part. You, can, you are forgiven. You are justified by believing Jesus Christ. This is an important passage here, Romans but also for us, to whom God will create righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over the death, to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. See, Jesus died, died for our sins. You don't have to pay the penalty because he paid for you, paid for us. He died for our, our sins. He rose from the dead for our righteousness. He rose from the dead for our righteousness. So we became righteous. We are justified by believing what Christ has done on the cross and rose from the dead. While you're having a Christian journey, Christian life, you will often, you will face the time, the point, like, how come I'm so empty? Even though I, you know, come claim myself a Christian... Why am I so empty? Check this part. Maybe you're trying to earn salvation by your own effort. It's not going to happen. No way. Go back to justification by faith part. Faith. Then you'll realize, oh, okay. Wow. Jesus, you're the answer. You are the answer. Imagine the man before a judge who has been given a choice of paying $100 or serving 90 days, three months in jail. The man doesn't have any money, but does have an invalid wife and five hungry children at home who are depending on him and him alone. He tells such a heartbreaking story. The courtroom spectators are moved to pity and take up a collection to help pay the man's fine. They collect every dollar. Even the judge chipped in and they collected $99.95. Cents. Five cents is short. So judge had no choice. I'm sorry. We want to help you, but this is all we get. We let what we have. So they have to send him to the jail for three months. While he was walking, he was so discouraged. He was put his, put his hands on his pocket, and he found a nickel. Oh, my goodness, I found a nickel. So we went back to the judge's 
bar and he put the nickel on the bars and I am free, I am the free. Let me ask you this question. In his mind, what saved him? Nickel, right? If we did anything to merit our salvation, you would be forever boasting about it in heaven. And heaven is not going to be heaven. It's going to be a horrible place. So many stuck-up people say, hey, you know what? I say myself, I don't want to go to that kind of place. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. We don't deserve to be saved. What are you talking about? We're all under God's I mean, condemnation. We're sinners. We were destined to die once and afterward we faced judgment. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me conclude my message. As I was meditating Paul's message today, sermon today, I thought about Paul. My goodness, this guy changed. He tried to persuade these people serving in the temple. Wow, he tried to persuade. Why did, how did he change? So, I mean, so definitely. He, you know, he, was, he tried to persuade the church, right? How, how did it happen? You know what happened? You know that. He was persuaded by Jesus Christ. And this is my challenge to you. We got to have we have to be persuaded by Jesus. We have to be we have to have word of God. You know, resurrection, crucifixion, all the stories can be fair tale. If if this message is not personal, become personal message. It has to be your message. It's not faith that my parents have. No, no, no. It has to be your faith. It has to be my faith. Therefore, you have to hold on to God's message so we can live out this gospel life. And let's pray together. Lord, uh, I want you to be our reality. You have prepared everything, Father God. And Lord, help us to know that you are still the same God, still working in our lives. Lord, help us to claim and live the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ's life. We may think this is the end, Help us not to claim the Father until you claim it, Lord. And you are the God who raised. Show us the, the power of resurrection. Would you, Lord, raise the things that we think is death? And Lord, we want to choose you. We want to choose Jesus this week, today. So as we leave out this the whole week, I want you to be the center of our lives. Persuade us, Lord God, so that we can persuade others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.